0: You're listening to audio from Living Grace Church in Tyler, Texas. To find out more about Living Grace, go to livinggracetexas.org. All right, John chapter 13, verse 31. And so just to preface, uh, this was right, this was during the, the Lord's Supper, and Judas had just walked out of the building, the betrayer. He was going to the Pharisees to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so he just left. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. All right. So Jesus is saying... Now is the time for the Son of Man to come and do what he's supposed to do. The disciples in this moment, if you can like place yourself in the room, right, they probably had a million thoughts going through their heads Is he going to conquer, right? They were looking for the Messiah. Is this the one who is going to release us from the Roman rule? Is this the one who's going to cause us to be the greatest kingdom on earth again? And so they're wondering, like, where is Jesus going? What is he going to do? Is he going to conquer? What is he going to do next? And then Jesus drops a bomb on them, and he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And so in this moment, they've been following this Jesus, following him, and now he suddenly says, I'm leaving, and you cannot come with me, right? Two, three years, they've given their whole life to this guy, and yet in this moment, now he says, you cannot come with me. Jesus continues and tells them about the new commandment, but it's like they miss that all together, right? And it's it's interesting, as I was reading this, I was like, isn't it the same for us, right? Where... We become so concerned with the future, with what's next, or become engulfed with some sort of like theological study, right? Like we want to know about the end times. We want to know about the Lord's Supper. We want to know about what the Bible says about this. And we'll spend hours and days and buy books and watch YouTube videos to figure out what does Jesus want? What am I supposed to do with this? And yet the entire time we miss this almost amazing commandment that Jesus had just told them why because they were so concerned with the future they were so concerned with not the present they were so concerned with anything but the present like yeah I heard you Jesus talk about this new commandment but where are you going like where are you going I don't want to I don't care about what you're telling me to do I just want to know what's coming next what's the future right and isn't it the same for us Because we only want to know the future and what's coming, but we ignore what Jesus tells us to do daily, which is what, right? We just saw in the verse, right, is that we are to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. And so he knew... The future of the disciples he knew what they were going to be he knew the stories that would come later in the book of acts and and we read about them like even in galatians he knows these stories even in hebrews like he knows what's going to come but at the same time right is that he was only he was not only trying to equip them with an easier way to live which is his way but also to show them how to live like true followers of him and so peter blurts out lord where are you going? Not, how do I love? How do I do this? Lord, where are you going? And Jesus knows the heart of Peter. He knows Peter will do great things and foreshadows it right in this moment. But he also shows that Peter, like us, right, is a weekly saint. Right? Not weekly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but weak. Right? We are weak-minded saints, we're not always at our top of our game. We're not always strong. We don't always say no to temptation. Is that we don't always do the things that Christ has called us to do like Peter did in this very next scene in these moments. Right? Judas left. Now all that's left in the room, in this room here listening, are Jesus' beloved children. All that's left are his saints. And isn't this amazing, right? Is that if you think about it, our Savior chases after us, spends time with us even before we ever go from death to life, right? Like if you go back to your salvation story is that there were moments as you were pursuing God that you knew you were not saved, but yet things started changing in your life. Things started happening. Relationships started to be formed. You started to find friends. You started to feel better. You started to have this this something was different going on before you ever said yes to Christ, and yet that's what's happening here, right? Is that Jesus, right, was spending so much time. He was showing them a better way. Then, when we are born again, He has the Holy Spirit inside of us to remind us that in these moments that we are weak minded, that when we're not on top of our game, to come back to Him when we sin, when we fall short. And so, in our weakness, He still upholds us. And do you feel like a less than saint today? Do you feel like, man, I am not what Christ died for me to be? Never forget that you are a saint. Not in the way, right, that the Catholic Church does saints, but rather in a way where you understand if you are a believer, you have been and are being sanctified. Right? Sanctification is the process of us becoming more holy, more set apart more like Jesus, but the good news is that we are saints right now if you are born again. And so you are holy because every step that you take on a daily basis, right, every single thing that you do, every decision you make, every word that comes out of your mouth, everything that you do, right, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in you and around you. And everywhere you go, we, the Bible tells us, are supposed to be spreading this aroma of Christ. And so it changes it, right, is that it changes when you understand that you are carrying Christ with you, that you are carrying the Holy Spirit inside of you. And in that moment, then it should change the way that we are living life. It should remind us, right, in these moments that when we are weak-minded— when we are less than saints, when we are falling, when we are failing, when we are about to deny Christ by the way that we live or deny him audibly as Peter was about to do, yet Christ still chases after Peter and he chases after you and me. And so this then should make us think twice before we say or do anything. Because when we don't think twice, it's as if we are saying to the world by our witness that what they see in us, what they hear in us, what they watch us do is who Jesus is. Right? We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say Jesus is going to cuss out somebody on Broadway. Right? We're not going to say Jesus is going to cut somebody off. We're not going to say Jesus is going to DM those DMs or text those things or send those things or say those things. We would never say that because we know Jesus is perfect, yet by our witness that Jesus lives inside of us that we are to be his followers, is that it should change the way that we think about the way we live, the things we say, the things that we do, even when nobody is looking. And then we wonder why we don't want to tell people about Jesus, right? It's because deep down we know I should not be the one. But let me encourage you. You are never going to get it perfectly, You're never going to be the perfect saint here on this earth. You're never going to make all the right decisions every single time. But it's in our weakness that he is stronger. This is no license to sin. I'm not like, you're like, oh, I like this church because this guy says I can do whatever I want. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in our weakness, when we mess up, when we fail, when we don't think twice about it, when we're not reminding ourselves that Christ is in us, Yet he's still chasing after us. And that should cause us to think about our decisions and our words and our lives and about sin differently. And so it's in our weakness that he is strong. In our repentance we reveal we are broken vessels, jars of clay. That God loved us enough to still live in us despite our sins and so then we so we can tell anyone and everyone about Jesus because we can confess boldly That we are broken, that we are sinful, that we don't get it right, that we don't aren't perfect, that we don't measure up, that we don't say the things we're supposed to say, we don't do the things we're supposed to do all the time, and yet, at the same time, yet God's love and his grace abounds over that sin. And he's saying, I paid for that sin, and he's still chasing after me. And then that's the good news, right? The good news isn't that you're perfect and you want other people to be perfect. No, no, it's that you know Jesus and in your lack, in your imperfection. He is perfect. And so then you get to tell others, hey, the way that you're living your life, it's never going to work. You trying to live up to the standard is never going to work. You trying to do these things to earn your way to heaven is never going to work. But instead, just believe and trust in Christ, for he covered all your sins, all those mistakes that you made. And then we can tell anyone and everyone, because we have a friend, a mediator, a savior in Jesus who died for all of mine and your sins. And this is why we can forgive, while we can love, while we can care about every single person in our life. Because Jesus died for a sinner like you and like me to make us both saints and sinners, right? Before you were saved, you were just a sinner in need of a savior, right? And now you are both saint and sinner. There's an old Latin term, it's simo el justice el peccator. It's not important. It's just a little, there's a little, you know, Latin thing for today. But it's just this idea that we are saved and sanctified, yet at the same time stumbling towards our heavenly home on a daily basis. And the entire time, Jesus is our rock and our foundation. So Peter pushed through. He wanted to die for Jesus. But Jesus stopped him in his tracks by telling him that Peter will actually deny him three times. And so it was not Peter's time to die, right? Jesus knew Peter would die, Peter would, you know, and history tells us that Peter did die upside down on a cross because he didn't find himself worthy to die like his Savior died. And so Jesus had to die first. Jesus had to go and make the way. He tells us in the next verse that he's going to prepare this place for Peter, and not just for Peter, but for us, right? There, uh, there's a guy named Matthew Henry, he's uh, I like to say here at Living Grace, an old dead guy, and he says this, note, believers must not expect to be glorified as soon as they are effectually called. For there is a wilderness between the Red Sea and Canaan. Meaning, this, we cannot expect to just be with Jesus as soon as we become a Christian. He doesn't just take us up as soon as we're saved. No, we're left here on earth. Why? Because there is a journey ahead of us, there is a path we must walk and a path to bring others along with us. So there was a, I remember sitting, I was at this church in Houston and I was sitting in front, I was meeting with this discipleship pastor, and we were trying. he was trying to teach me about how they do discipleship at their church. And so we're sitting, it was in this old, just beautiful house, and, and so we're just talking. And then suddenly the lead pastor, who was one of my heroes, walks in, and he starts talking to this guy, and he's saying, hey, if you've heard the story, I apologize. But it, he says, he starts telling him, hey, you know, I just left. I was meeting with the builders, the architect. They were renovating this old school in downtown Houston, and this guy that I was meeting with, we'll call him Jerry, Jerry was like, hey, you know, and they were talking about this lady, some architect, she came up, I think we'll call her Susan. And so they were talking about Susan. They were like, man, don't you just love Susan? And then, you know, lead pastor's like, yeah, I do love her, man, I just, but, you know, I don't know where she is in her walk with Jesus. And so then, then this guy that I'm meeting with, Jerry, Jerry says, you know, more than anything, I know she's helping us, but I just want her to know Jesus. And I'm sitting here like... What, like, who talks like this? Who's talking about people like this in a way that is, like, you just don't hear it normally. Like, man, I loved meeting them. They were so nice. But, man, I want them to know Jesus. Jesus. And you can tell, and it came from the lead pastor, the guy who like, said he was my hero, and, and it came from his walk because he was walking down this path and was bringing others along with him because they loved Jesus so much. They experienced his grace so much in their weakness when they were found to be less than saints that in this moment all they wanted to do and think about was not how can we get her to make a discount for us how can we save money they didn't care about any of that all they cared about was I just want her to know Jesus and I was like can I work here you know I was like this place is amazing but it was just something that stirred within me and so this path right the path that we walk on is not for us alone and so have you ever said that phrase to another believer Or to yourself, I just want her, I just want him to know Jesus. Has your desire for the Lord been so great that all you wanted was other people to know that same Savior you know? Has your love for Jesus grown so much that all you want to do is love every person you come in contact with? Why? Because they could be your brother and sister in Christ and you can see and live with them for eternity. not just somebody to be used, but there's somebody who needs to know Jesus. And so uh, Jesus continues in chapter 14. He says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. And so we... As we turn, right, to chapter 14, and and we're, we're coming to a close, is that Jesus knows that they are so confused, right? Jesus knows in this moment Judas just left, and now Jesus is talking about going away, and they can no longer follow him. But now he's trying to encourage them and says, right, that I go to prepare a place for you. He says, but before that, right, before, what does he say? He says, believe in God, believe also in me. So what is Jesus saying here in this passage? He's saying, don't forget who the God you believe in actually is, right? He is, God. this God is sovereign over everything. There's not a rebel molecule in existence that God is not in control of of. He is holy like no other. He is holding the world in his hands. He parted the Red Sea. He brought the plagues of Egypt. He stopped the sun in the story of Joshua. He brought down the walls of Jericho. He shut the mouths of the lions in the story of Daniel. He brought fire from heaven in the story of Elijah. That's the God that we pray to and serve, and that's who Jesus is reminding them this moment. Believe in God, but then what else does he say? He says, believe also in me. And what is he saying? He said, so we too should not forget it when life gets hard or we become fearful. Because the Bible tells us, right, that God is in the heavens and he does as he pleases. And so here in John 14, right, he says, believe also in me. And Jesus is saying, I am God too. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, believe in me, believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, I am God as well. The Father and I are one. The word believe here means to trust. Jesus says, don't be troubled for you can trust me. And then he gives them even more reason, right? And isn't this the kindness of Christ? He knows their hearts yet is going above and beyond to give them confidence and assurance. And he does the same for us, right? Paul says all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. They're yes and amen in Christ. So what is Paul saying there? This means everything was fulfilled in Christ. We can see God's faithfulness in Christ for our past and our future. Our words of kindness and encouragement come from the scriptures, right? I want to remind you is that you cannot walk the Christian life you cannot walk, and you cannot walk with Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus and not be reading the word of God or, be, or by immersing yourself in it. Why? Because these are the very words of God, right? Is that he's trying to show us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And is what he's showing us is that the path that Jesus walked on, right, he fed on the scriptures in the same way that we too must feed on the scriptures as well. And so you cannot walk this journey without the scriptures. They feed you and sustain you because they are the very words of God. And so Jesus continues, and he tells them, he goes to prepare a place for them and for us. And in his father's house are many rooms. And so, the, you know, in other translations, maybe growing up, you heard many mansions, right? I go and prepare a mansion for you. And so we think, like, there's just a billion mansions in heaven or whatever, and it just seems like, what is that going to look like? But the, as I was studying this, really is what they're saying is that it's more of like there's one big building and there's like these lofts and apartments. It's kind of the idea, right? We'll know when we get there. Don't hold on to that and be like, oh, I'm getting an apartment in heaven. No, like <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to – that's not the important thing here, right? There, there's, there's more importance than what I'm trying to get to, right? But, but what it's saying, right, is that there's rooms, there's, there's places, and other versions, like I said, said mansions. But it's a, in its original language, it's really translated a staying, an abiding place, or a delayed place. One commentator says this, a staying or abiding place, an abode. The word mansion has a similar, similar etymology and follows the same course of development being derived from manir or to remain, meaning, right, a place where we abide, and catch that, right? Like, I'm about to geek out. In the, in the next chapter, Jesus is t- in chapter 15, they're walking to the garden of where he's going to be betrayed. And he tells them to abide in me. And so before that, right, what they just heard was Jesus was going to a place to create rooms and, you know, some of you say mansions, these places, a dwelling place, an abiding place. And then so he tells them this, and they're walking down to this garden where he's about to be betrayed, and they don't know it. And then he says, abide in me. And I, when I read that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Why? Because here's the part that I just want you to catch. I know I sound excited. I really am. Is that Jesus is showing us the way. Because here on earth, what he's wanting us to do more than anything is abide. Why? Because he's not focused on our here and now, he's focused on our future, our heavenly eternal home where we are going to abide in him forever. And I just love that imagery that Jesus says, I'm going to create a place for you to abide. And they're like, what? That's weird. And then they go and they go to John 15. They're walking past the garden. And he says, abide in me. And he's wanting that relationship. And he's teaching them how to live after he dies and goes to heaven. You see, Jesus is saying to abide in him here because we will abide in him in heaven he is helping us, preparing us, preparing a place for us, For right? Because for Jesus, heaven is a real place. It's not just this imaginary thing, right? In the New Testament, there's a guy named Warren Wiersbe. He tells us that heaven is described as a kingdom, Second Peter, an inheritance, 1 Peter, a country, Hebrews 11, a city, Hebrews 11, and a home, John 14. Wiersbe continues. He says, Jesus Christ is now preparing places for all true believers And each place will be beautiful. When he was here on earth, Jesus was a carpenter. Now that he has returned to glory, he is building a church on earth and a home for that church in heaven. It's just amazing how these things just fit together. And this is the hope we're holding on to. So I bet right now you're like, okay, what was the the hard saying in this whole sermon? Like, it just sounds like really good stuff. Here's the hard saying, John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the, here's the hard saying and something you have to wrestle with. Do you believe everyone goes to heaven? Do you believe that every single person is going to have one of these rooms? Because that's universalism, and that's a false teaching. That's what I told you, this is where the hard saying comes in. Buttered you up, you know, get, just let you in. No, but it's true. Like Jesus is making it clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not just any religion, any way you want, anything you want. It's I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? There's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. No good works. No religious ceremonies, no amount of money can get you to God. This is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus is the narrow gate, his way is complete opposite of the world. His way, his teachings, his, everything that he did was complete opposite of the way of this world that we live in and we struggle with and we wrestle with all the time. And it's because there is only one way. He tells us that way to life, to himself, is hard. And those who find it are few. And so here's a hard truth to swallow. Not everyone you think is in heaven is actually there. Like, let's be scriptural, right? I've just said before, if you're new here, if this is your only time, then, you know, I'll tell you (laughs) if you don't come back. I care more about your soul than your happiness, right? I care more about your understanding of scripture than whether or not you ever come back to listen to me because you didn't like the scriptures. Not everyone goes to a better place. Not everyone is finally resting this is not scriptural, right? Only those who believe in Jesus and trust in him will be there. I remember hearing someone say, she believed in heaven, talking about somebody who died. She believed in heaven, so she's covered, right? And I just thought, like, no, that's not how it works. And so you're, probably, you're like, wow, way to burst my bubble and way to, like, not make me want to eat anything. No, no, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is trying to create a sense of urgency within you. Like, do you not understand that you have this treasure, you have this way of life, you have this eternality, this mindset of eternity that nobody else or many people around you do not have. And you have this gift, you have this joy, and it's not for you to go and just live a perfect life and then you can tell. No, it's, hey, you go tell people, hey, come to my church. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, let me tell you what he did for me. You don't have to convince, you cannot convince somebody to go to heaven. It's impossible, right? They must go from death to life. The Holy Spirit must open their eyes. They must, go from a flesh a heart of stone to a heart of flesh they need to hear the gospel right it's not our good works that will get people to heaven right there's an old famous line that i used to agree with and i'm so glad i don't anymore and it says i will preach the gospel and use words if necessary no that's not how it works the gospel is the power of salvation it's not your works it's not their works they need to hear it And it's not up to you to save them. So what I'm trying to do is say, hey, here's a sense of urgency. I hope you get it. Secondly, all the weight is on Jesus. It's not on you. It is not on you to save your family, to save your friends, to save the random person you come across with. That's not on you. What do we do? We just go throw seeds everywhere by our, our spreading the aroma of Christ and then telling people about the Jesus that saved us and that opened our eyes. And you don't have to have a theology degree to do so. All you have to do is like the blind man in the New Testament said, I was blind and now I see I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. I don't know how to argue theology, but all I know is I was dead and now I'm alive. Believer, know that the word says that those who endure will be saved. Those who put to death their flesh, those who make no provisions for their flesh, the wide way of life is easier because it seems less scary You have more control. You can see everything. But the way of Jesus is hard because all control and all your future is in someone's hands you cannot see. But Jesus made it clear to the weary disciples and to you and me today that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He made the way. He is trustworthy and true to all who trust in him. And he is the life. For we are only alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Every fallen man who is dead in his or her sins must come to Christ through repentance. Other ways may seem legit, but only the way Jesus laid it out must we walk. But if you confess your sins today, repent of your wicked ways, repent of your unbelief, then Jesus is faithful to forgive you today. This is our assurance, not I did this, not I go here, not I know this, but our assurance is Jesus died for me, and that's what we hold on to. Jesus died for me, and he will keep you until the end. He will give you food along the way in his word, and he gives us rest in times of prayer and abiding because he is faithful all the way to the end. If you can stand with me this morning. want to close out with one more quote by I like to list these guys in case you're looking for future um, people to read also in coming weeks there are a whole bunch of books that I will be giving away to anybody interested that aren't garbage books I promise they're books I've read or that I trust the author and was going to read but I was like you know what y'all would benefit way more than me by me just hoarding Um, but that'll be coming in the next few weeks there'll be a bookshelf out there but anyways, this quote says this, a guy named Warren Wearsby. He said, how would this assurance of going to heaven help to calm the disciples' troubled hearts? He quotes Dr. James M. Gray, put it beautifully in a song he wrote years ago. He says, who can mind the journey when the road leads home? Who can mind the ups and downs of life? Who, can, who does that even bother When they know it's just one step, one destination, one more year closer to seeing Jesus and being home in heaven. Wearsby continues. He says, the assurance of a heavenly home at the end of life's road enables us to bear joyfully with the obstacles and battles along the way. It was this assurance that even encouraged our Lord, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross Paul had this truth in mind when he wrote, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory which will be revealed in us. And so for you today, do not leave without with your heart troubled. Be encouraged if you know Jesus, that he is with us the whole way and he's teaching us to abide because that's what we're gonna do in heaven. But rather, Believe in God to work in your situation and trust in Jesus. Abide in him for that's what we'll do in eternity. And one more question to wrestle with before we enter into a time of response. If we believe this truth, if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, why don't we live as if we do? What holds us back? So I want you in these next moments, the band's going to come up to wrestle with these thoughts today and don't leave without being able to answer why if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is that our lives don't look like it and that you would be able to repent before you leave. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. We hope this helps you on your journey to glorify God by enjoying him and making disciples who make disciples.